Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we dig in deep to analyze the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. I'm Andy Nelson from thenextreel.com. And I'm Pete Wright, still from The Next Reel. We're looking at John Favreau's 2008 film Iron Man. And back with us today, we have Kathy Campbell from The Robot and the Unicorn. Hey, Kathy. Hello, gentlemen. Yay. <laughs> Love it when Kathy's here. Woo! Can I just say, KathyCampbell.com, there is a glamour shot of Kathy Campbell uh, <laughs> wearing her trademark unicorn head in the sunset on the beach that makes me smile like nothing else. <laughs> Kathy Campbell. And that is That the is point. amazing. That is the purpose of that and all of my branding is all unicorn based. <laughs> oh my God. It's, it's magical. It makes people smile, makes them laugh. And I mm-hmm. just... Yeah, it makes me happy. It is a wonderful photo. It's just, it just <laughs> makes me think, where is the rest of the unicorn? Because that is a that's a real <laughs> you're wearing real unicorn head and it's really horrible. But I don't know. We could wow. we could table that. Yeah. That went dark. <laughs> I feel like that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, thanks for that, Pete. Min- <laughs> so, Minute 82. Are, yeah, we are looking at Iron Man Minute 82. On today's show, the minute starts with a bogey being spotted and ends with Iron Man getting hit midair by shots from the F-22. And if you've ever been hit when F-22, you know it smarts. <laughs> I'm just saying. It's not something you want to be hit by. Nope, no, no it's not. Nope. I don't really want to be hit by anything, but definitely not an F-22. No, no, no. <laughs> Definitely not. This uh, this minute starts with um, you know we've got all of our our folks in the CAOC as they call it in the film uh, looking at monitors, and I just have to say I really love the the very first monitors that we're staring at in this minute with the little tiny like out of focus radar shot of Iron Man <laughs> flying through the air. Yeah, it just I it's like some UFO photo. I I don't know. I think that's probably what they were going for, and I love it all the more because yeah <laughs> because of the way it looks. It's it's very much like, oh, here's this weird thing flying. Let's definitely like really hone in on, oh, it's an unidentified bogey. We don't know what it is. We don't know if it's good or bad. Let's just have it all out there as basic as possible. And then let's shoot it down. And then let's shoot it down. Right. <laughs> or the only to. call <laughs> the only call they make is Rhodes calls under his breath, his buddy Tony, and that's the lengths and the limits of the investigation that they take, right. that they undertake. Is <laughs> and that no, it's not you, Tony. Okay, then we're gonna shoot it down. Well, and to be <laughs> fair, they do talk about trying to make contact with it to get identification and anytime there's something flying in a legit no-fly zone, especially something that's not talking to them, it's probably going to be a bad guy. Well, he was on the phone. Probably. Yeah. He was was busy. busy. He 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 doesn't have call waiting. There's no call waiting. (laughs) Verizon. Oh, Burn. I have Verizon, <laughs> yeah, and it's bit. true. Right. I'm actually having issues with my voicemail right now. <laughs> you had 10 years to figure this out, Verizon. And it's still failing. Mm-hmm. This episode on, sponsored by <laughs> Verizon. <laughs> The uh yeah the, so he it is kind of a, a a rough minute for for Tony. This is you know we see these uh, these people uh, checking on him. They spot him. 
and then you got these two F-22s dropping into frame to uh, to come and uh, and investigate further and then attack. It's uh, it's a beautiful shot, and you know this reminds me of the earlier minute when. Uh, Tony is, uh, gosh, I think this was, uh, you know, 20 minutes ago or so, or 30 minutes when Tony is in, uh, in the desert and he, uh, he's walking through the dunes lost and alone. And then all of a sudden you have these helicopters come over the rise and because they're not in the frame, you don't hear them. And nor does he, as soon as they come into frame, it's like, you know, it's like helicopter noise and he, he hears them. This is pretty much the same thing. You get this great shot of Iron Man flying through the sky. And I have to say also the effects work here through this whole sequence is so good. Like he looks authentic. Like there's actually this man flying through the sky, Yeah, but uh, you don't hear these jets at all until they drop into frame. It's like, Oh, okay. Yes. Now there are clearly two F 22s here and neither (laughs) does he. And and this is something that Jarvis should be warning him. I mean, he's got his radar thing on his HUD, right? Jarvis, come on now. <laughs> oh, this is maybe Jarvis just has a bad connection with the Afghan <laughs> on Verizon. Afghan is Jar- does Jarvis use Verizon? <laughs> I I love that shot too, and I I just want to uh, just hammer that home. Like when you look at that freeze, it's such a perfect poster frame. Uh, the relative size of Iron Man next to those images is the same, right? So uh, he looks just as as kind of imposing as the yeah. jets behind him. It, it is just uh, beautifully architected clouds, and we know how hard it is to do smoke. Uh, and, uh, and so the clouds look great. The mountains peeking through them in the back look great. I mean, the plate is perfect. It just is really a, a wonderful sequence. And then when he he does his little move, and it, you know, he could just turn, but he flippy dippies, you know, well, spins of out of the way. Yeah, it, which is just awesome as these jets overtake the frame i i love that that single shot is really great well if there's one thing we've learned about iron man he likes to do flippy dippy moves oh, all the time a lot he is rolling through the skies ever since he first flies it's yeah. like his thing i feel like I, it, I it might fun. be a an ease of use because i mean it's not like you're driving on a road and you can just you know turn your wheels like i feel like with the momentum and everything it makes it a little bit easier to just like do your flippy dippy to change direction because it's easier to maybe like move your muscles that direction than to like i don't know try and drag your feet in air i don't even know how physics (laughs) works how does that work But, you know, you have to wonder, like, like, what is his what's happening to his brain with all this swinging around inside this helmet? Like this is again, I know we haven't discussed the concussions uh, (laughs) uh, nearly enough, uh, but uh, this is this is one of those sequences where just uh, the way he's flying around. And as soon as the next, you know, probably, I I don't know, 10 seconds later or something, he engages supersonic flight. And, you know, he does because the HUD says in red, engage supersonic flight (laughs) on his little palette. And. Then he disappears, and it's fantastic. But uh, you know, brain again. Um, I, I, it's it's hard to to watch that and and not think that he's pudding. Jarvis well. fixes it somehow. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, it's and remember that that giant compression sock on yep. his body, like yep, his whole exactly. thing. Yeah. Right. And remember, we, we decided earlier in an earlier minute, Pete, that that his suit has little devices inside that's giving him a scalp massage that's as right. he goes and through all this. And his ab electrolysis. True. It actually comes out stronger. All things that help. All yeah. things yeah. that help. 
I, I'm, I'm ashamed I didn't remember that. Thank you. <laughs> I, I can't believe you didn't. Um, you mentioned, uh, as far as the, the clouds and everything, Pete, uh, a moment ago, th- what I thought was great is they actually went and they shot just tons of plates of, yeah. of cloud footage and everything. And they kind of plotted out what they were wanting to do. Uh, so theoretically, nothing that we're looking at here with all of the, the skies over, quote, Afghanistan, which is really still out in the Lone Pine, California area by the Alabama Hills, uh, it's all real. And and then they just dropped yeah. in all the CG elements, which I think it, it really just, it helps quite a bit. It, it looks really okay, nice. It does. It's beautiful. Uh, okay, so let me get a judge's ruling then. If we go forward to 30, uh, second 31, we have this fantastic pass as he goes supersonic. And we see the little puff of smoke uh, behind him, the puff of vapor as he disappears. He flies over our left shoulders, right? Uh What do you think is up with their choice to leave like moisture debris on the lens? Like that's something they totally could have cleaned up. And and it's not something we see often when when, you know, in this movie where there's like it it almost it breaks the the sort of visual fourth wall, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they do some interesting things like that uh, periodically in yeah. this film where it feels like, um, and we're, we'll actually talk about this in some coming minutes, where they have some strange uh, shots that actually feel very GoPro-ish. In fact, we have another one that feels like it's uh, almost attached to his leg or something around second 41 when we watch the uh, the flares pop out, right? Yes. It's it's a it's an interesting choice that they do to kind of give you that sense that, oh, no, there's really a camera there. Yeah, I think that's probably why they did it, um, because they're like you said, they did a lot of the filming, all sorts of clouds and movement and like, let's get this real stuff in. Well, let's just keep it real. Let's make you feel like you are watching Iron Man fly right by even though obviously Iron Man's not actually flying there. I don't know if you know this, but the Iron Man <laughs> character, whoa, whoa, whoa. as he, yeah. I know, I know, I'm sorry to break yeah. this to you. Uh, but it, it, as a viewer and as someone that maybe doesn't, isn't an extensive like knowledge worker in the visual ex- effects field, your default brain will just be like, oh, yeah, that's exactly how it should be. Not, oh, they chose to leave that in there uh, or they added it because every so often you'll have, you know, sun flares in fully digital animation or things that you know that were digitally animated or visual effects Mm -hmm. added to it to have that realistic element to say, oh, hey, maybe they did, I don't know, throw Robert Downey Jr. in a suit and drag him behind a helicopter to pretend like he's flying or something like that. That'd that'd be great. (laughs) I I totally, normally I totally agree. But uh, in this case, you know, and and I'll go back to Andy's comparison shot, right? The the camera on the leg. The camera on the leg is a clean plate. Like, it's a clean shot. They've removed any sort of dust and debris from the screen. I would expect some sort of debris on that shot more than the shot of him flying by. And this is why. Because there is nothing in the sky as he's flying on our shoulder upon which that shot could be mounted, right? He's not flying past a jet. He's not flying past a helicarrier somewhere. It's it there. It's just a it's the the omniscient cameraman, 
right? And those plates are clean. Those shots tend to always be clean. This one has like moisture dots on it, which yeah. I find yeah. really interesting that they made that that a conscious choice to leave that there. So uh, it sticks out to me every time because it, you know, leaving that dirty shot is, it is rare when they make that choice. It is. I, and I completely agree with you uh, because it isn't something that would make sense like it's attached to something. It's not like a wing camera. Yeah. No. Yeah. But I still love it. And I don't know why. It's just, it's (laughs) it's one of those shots that it's like, it shouldn't be there, but it does give me that sense of authenticity weirdly. So I end up totally buying into it and enjoying it. It is. It, it's a, a great shot. It's a huge power hero shot, right? As soon as he oh, hits yeah. that supersonic, it is exhilarating. Uh, so don't make the mistake of watching it frame by frame is all I'm saying. <laughs> just just, just <laughs> let it ride. ride. Everybody let it ride. Now, I, I, I want to jump back real quick to the um, to that shot of the jets uh, dropping into or, or coming into frame to to uh, engage Tony. Uh, it's it's very strange, but I, I revisited the trailer just before watching this minute. And weirdly, in the trailer, instead of dropping down into the frame, the two jets come up from the bottom of frame in the trailer. I It was an odd choice to like change that. I'm like, I wonder why they chose to do that. Because I don't know. Like, I keep looking at it. And I'm like, do I do I care that they come from the top versus the bottom? Do you like, have a different would... emotional response as you watch those side by side? Like, or, or I don't one feel like I do, and that's the thing I don't really get. Like, why why is that a change that they made? I don't I don't know. I wonder if it's because coming up from the bottom, there's a sort of uh, Jaws feel to it. You know, like uh, there there's sort of an ominous. The world has depth to it and dropping from the bottom is kind of more of a surprise like one is stalking one is surprising i don't know i'm totally vamping here because that's a very strange choice yeah it is yeah and obviously they hadn't color timed it yet either (laughs) they also they also have them very much closer so yeah the the side i okay so here's my thoughts my very professional this is why you invited me here because i have thoughts <laughs> um so the the planes are a lot larger and that tony is so tiny compared to the the final thing where tony is so much bigger than the planes and so by having it come down and have them be smaller it's much more hey just dropping in to check up on you you shouldn't be here engage and talk to me versus the much larger planes coming up from the bottom it's so much more ominous and overwhelming and it's entirely possible that they did that they they chose that for the trailer versus the real thing as opposed to, oh, I don't like this. We should change it. I could see them doing both ways and saying, oh, let's use this one for the trailer. You know, it's very ominous, very end of the world because that's what we're going to showcase for the trailer and get people come in and want to see this. But for the movie, have it be a little bit more because they haven't quite gotten to the we're going to shoot you down yet. <laughs> right, right. They're like, hey, we're still trying to engage with you and right. and communicate. Uh, so I could see it being a very distinct choice. Coming up from the bottom is like Jaws coming out of the water. Yes. So, yeah, it, I guess there is that element that's like a little more daunting. 
The other thing that's interesting about this is that, uh, you know, coming up from the bottom implies that they just took off, right? That this is yeah. the first time we're going to see these jets. So it's it's curious to me why coming down out of the sky uh, is is the way to introduce them in, in this sequence when it actually makes more logistical sense to have them fly up to Tony. Yeah. Right, as if as if they were just sent out. Yeah, like go go check out what this is. Instead, they swoop down like they've been engaged before. Or I wonder if they uh, were running loops around the no fly zone, like yeah. they do. You know, perimeter checks. That's yeah, that's how right. that works, right? With the yeah, planes. I'm sure that's <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's what they say. I'm surprised Rody didn't even say that. <laughs> we're on perimeter <laughs> checks. Yeah, I think that was in the script. Yep. I'm sure it must have been. They cut mm-hmm. it for time. Yeah. <laughs> it <was> cut for time. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad we got that figured out. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> so these F-22 Raptors, they were relatively newish at the time. Um, they they can fly up to 1,500 miles per hour. So they can uh, definitely, definitely uh, catch up with him at the speeds that he's flying right now. Uh, they cost a measly $412 million to build each one. Oh, no wonder they have two. And actually, they were very expensive, and only 187 of them were were made because of the high cost and because the F-35 was uh, being developed. And most of these were developed between 2005 and 2012. Obama uh, had ended the program in 2009, and they just kind of finished making the ones they were making, and that was the end of the F-22s. Aww. But they ha- they live on in our memory in Iron Man. They live on in Iron Truth. Man, exactly. I wonder if these are name branded. I don't see any. Like, who made these? McDonald- McDonald's, Douglas? <laughs> McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> they're actually, they're Lockheed Martin. Lockheed Martin, Lockheed Martin yeah. makes these. Uh, and uh, these are, uh, as we find out, they're Whiplash 1 and Whiplash 2. And that is, of course, a nod to Whiplash, one of Iron Man's villains from his rogues gallery. Ah. And uh, somebody that we will see in Iron Man 2. I don't think that they knew that at the time, but I think they, uh, at least I don't know. But what's weird is that they actually are credited as Viper 1 and Viper 2. And I think they must have uh, come in to redub all the lines later and decided, you know what, let's do Whiplash as a fun little nod. Yeah. I wonder if they had um, been cleared for Iron Man 2. And so changed it to have that tie in. But when they first wrote, you know, the first one, who knew what was going to happen? Like, they didn't know if they were going to yeah. get any future films. Well, at this point in the movie, we're actually not sure that they knew how this film was going to end. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, our two pilots playing um, uh, our uh, Viper 1 and Viper 2, or Whiplash 1 and Whiplash 2, however we want to call them, are Tim Rigby and Russell Richardson. We do a little thing over here, Kathy, the IMDb game, where uh, it's uh, you you try to guess. I don't know if you're familiar with IMDb, but very familiar. When you look, are you at, familiar with IMDb? Okay, when, you, <laughs> <laughs> when you look at anybody, it lists four movies that it suggests that they're known for, and not necessarily the most famous or the most money making or anything like that. It's a strange uh, algorithm. We have uh, these two actors here, Tim Rigby and Russell Richardson, and I know we probably don't know who they are, but I thought it would be fun to look at their IMDb uh, top four anyway, just yeah. uh, just to see. 
Tim Rigby, actually, he plays uh, Whiplash 1. He's primarily a stunts person. Yep. He's done a lot of uh, work in stunts. Uh, in fact, Captain Marvel, which, uh, as of the recording, has not opened yet. Oh, excited. I know. It's going to be a good one. Uh, he actually did stunts in that. And uh, his top four on IMDb are Iron Man, Wonder Woman, 300, and Triple X. And all for the stunts work that he did in them. Triple X. In fact... He's only credited as an actor in five films, this being one of them. And uh, it's uh, the only Marvel film that he was actually credited as an actor in. And sadly, and I'm assuming this is because the the change from Viper 1 to Whiplash 1, he did not end up getting to do his voice in this. They actually brought in David Zeiler to actually do the voice Mm -hmm. of Whiplash 1. Or maybe they just didn't like his voice. I don't, or they didn't want, want to speculate. pay him to <laughs> do stunts and the voice work. <laughs> right, right. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, so David Zeiler came in to do uh, the voice. What's interesting about David Zeiler is that he is very much a uh, an ADR guy. He comes in and does the loops on tons of uh, films. He's done 28 um, uh, films so far where he's come in to do the different voices um, starting in 95 TV as well. And this is uh, one of them, but he's done a lot more and uh, it's all just kind of the ADR stuff. That's his thing. His his films that he's uh, known for on IMDb are The Meg. There you go. That's the stuff. (laughs) (laughs) X-Men Days of Future Past. Deadpool and Fantastic Four, the uh, 2015 version. Really? That may be the biggest surprise of this minute. Real quick, but before we move on to the second actor that I can't Uh remember his name, but that's fine. Uh, I found it very interesting that he is actually the aerial stunt coordinator for Iron Man. So he plays one of the pilots, but is also in charge of all the aerial stunts, which is probably also why they didn't have him talk. That would make sense. Because wait, no, I'm I, I'm I'm slow. Why why is that a connection? Well, just because he's already he's there as the aerial stunt coordinator, and yeah. so he's doing all of these stunts anyways. And so uh, instead of having him record lines while he's doing the stunts or anything like that, they knew that they would have to do um, the vocalizations afterwards. Yeah, and so they're just like, you know what? We're not even going to bother with having you here. You're here because these are difficult stunts or like yeah. really, really hard. So we might as well just have you in it because we can just record the words later. Right. Interesting. It does make me wonder like what of what we see are aerial stunts versus just CG. I'm, I wonder yeah. about that, particularly as we come into some of our later minutes, right. which we'll talk about. Uh, yes, Whiplash 2, that's Russell, Russell Richardson. He, uh, it's funny because these guys, you just never get to see their faces. They're always covered up by all their, their masks. But um, his top four for IMDb are Iron Man. So this is one of his top four. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, Tigerland, and The Rookie. Oh, yeah, The Rookie. Yeah, I liked The Rookie. That was a good movie, yeah. Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Wow. Is, that, is that the first time a video game has made it into the into one of our conversations of IMDb of the IMDb game? I yeah. think it is. Yeah, I think you're right. He was great in that game. <laughs> <laughs> he's in the he's in the new Spider Man game that uh, everybody's loving. Yeah. 
So those are uh, those are our mm. pilots that we get here, and uh, it's uh, you know I, I like these guys. I think it's I think it's fun, and I think they work quite well uh, as the pilots in this scene. It's it's a lot of fun. It is a great sequence. I do have an interesting thing about Jarvis though, because we were talking about Jarvis. He does. Yes. We don't. Uh, so it, it, the I think this is the first time he uses a voice control to initiate a command, right? Yeah. Where he actually says yeah. flares. Yes. And, Obviously, and, I don't know for the whole movie, but yes, in the in, right, these, in this sequence, five minutes, in these two yes. minutes, right? <laughs> and he doesn't say, "Hey, hey Jarvis, hey <laughs> Jarvis, <laughs> flares." Uh, he just says flares, and I find it interesting now, from now on, to to think about where he is able to to use his uh, visual interface and where he chooses to use the flare, like the voice interface, and. Why is it that Rhodey doesn't hear him yelling flares into the phone? Right. <laughs> it's the little thing. Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, maybe because he used his fingertip twitches to put the right. phone on mute. Right. Oh, yeah, yes. He was on hold. Or he okay. looked okay. I'm sure that's what ominously it was. in that yeah. one corner of the phone coordination to yeah. mute it. <laughs> right. Accidentally went into supersonic for a minute and then put the phone on hold. <laughs> I would imagine it's hard to stay connected. <laughs> on, a, on a phone yeah. line when you're going supersonic. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, how does the how does the sound catch up to you when you're flying faster than the speed Ooh, of it? That's a very good question. <laughs> but yeah, I would. Think, I just don't know how that works. <laughs> the, we, need uh, a, we need a science advisor. This is trouble. <laughs> it's just not working. The uh, the missile that they shoot at, uh, at Tony is a Sidewinder missile. Those can fly at about Mach 2.5 or more, which I, I guess in my head, I just don't, I, I never understand how fast these things are flying, but I don't know. It seemed really fast, but I guess it makes sense because they have to get places very quickly. So, of course, they <laughs> right. fly fast. You can't, you, you have to be able to have something that goes fast enough that somebody can't just turn left at the last minute right. and, and, and miss it. <laughs> That's it's actually part Although of the sales pitch. Now, is this thing <laughs> fast enough to catch up to things that are also fast? <laughs> Except it doesn't work so well when it's a tank shooting a shell at Iron Man. Right. Because not only can he move, he can just take a casual step to the side to avoid the shell, but we can see it go yes, by. Right. Those guys need to get these Sidewinder missiles installed in their tanks. That would work a lot better. Yeah, that seems yeah. that seems safe. Totally safe. <laughs> that seems really safe. Really safe. Um, I I do like that the flares. Uh, we had seen this manual, this thing on on his hip before, but it was a manual hand crank that he used when he was icing up. Right. It's interesting that now it's where also we find out that his flares are, and it's uh, it's kind of a cool little thing to see. Yeah, it, it's extra fancy. All these super secret pockets in the suit. It's like his suit is Batman's belt. Uh, you know, his uh, utility belt, but it's in his entire suit. Yeah, like every yeah. joint. It's very Inspector Gadget. Totally. <laughs> Which, you know, it, to this, we, we've talked about this before. Like one of the things that's so great about Iron Man is just how grounded it is in the, the physicality of the suit and and how patient they were in introducing us to the suit and grinding and milling the parts. <laughs> it makes all of this, the reveal of the Inspector Gadgety stuff easier to swallow. And the, because, of course, that's where the flares would be. Now I'll never see that in, in any other way. Yeah. Because they sold me on what this thing was. And. Uh, so it's, I think it's, it, all of these are just really wonderful reveals. All of the prizes. They are all prizes. Yep. They really are. 
the, the F-22 pops up the M-61, and that's what they shoot at him with. And according to the pilot's own, I like how we get to see kind of their own version of the HUD. It's a, it's a nice little touch that we see the pilot's view with the targeting and everything. I mean, it's not like something we've never seen before, but I like that in this film where we're staring through Iron Man's HUD so often, here we actually get to see them working with their own. Um, and we see that he's got uh, quite a few rounds as we as we look at his HUD. It looks like he's got what does it say? Five hundred and eighty rounds. So he's he's got a lot of uh, shots that he can take at, at old Iron Man. Firing so fast. I I have to ask though, why do you do you think that Tony, who has made this magical HUD for his suit, who also designs the airplanes, has this sort of rudimentary HUD with just like lines and it's essentially the interface to Tank Commander. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> while Tony, who builds the airplanes, doesn't give them all the fancy stuff that he has. Like, he doesn't have, like, you, you don't see the pilot bringing up PDFs of anything, right? <laughs> Tony can do that, right? You don't see the pilot looking at anything with his eye gestures. Tony can do that. That right. seems a little bit unfair. Because it is military issue, so they're always a couple years behind, even gotta, on these super fancy <laughs> right. things. So you got to make them earn it. Yes. That's what Tony's doing. He's making yep. them earn the next yep. upgrade. They couldn't afford the upgrade. It's, not, it's, not it's nice all the cost, right? It, it comes down to cost. Yes. What's the military going to pay? He'll throw in the, the chest of, of uh, booze. <laughs> of course he will. With every purchase of missiles. <laughs> but. Well, that was probably given to him for free anyways. Like yeah. they, <laughs> the, sponsor the, deal. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I had one script note, actually. This was interesting. From mm-hmm. when he gets hit by the uh, near-missile hit, it actually, in the script, it says uh, he, he pulls heavy Gs to get away from it, and then it shows the HUD. Tony nearly blacks out as the G-force meter hits red, and then Jarvis kicks in. Sir, may I remind you that the suit can handle these maneuvers. You cannot. Ooh. And... It was an interesting little thing to add in there that uh, I guess we don't need it, but I like the idea that there is still a man inside the suit. It's it's something that they've really, for the most part, I think, dropped a, a lot from the film, the finished film. The fact that when Tony's in the suit, it you know the way that the film is, it makes him seem like you know he's impervious, he's invincible. Yeah. It's yeah. the suit that takes the the brunt force of anything that's happening to it. Um, but, uh, see, that's, I think what we were, what we were getting to earlier or, and yesterday is this idea of, um, you know, what, what's going on with his yeah. brain. I, contrary to, to that, Andy, I think I did need that. Like, I think I, that huh. would have been okay. a valuable line to throw into the movie because for me, so much of the, of the, the power of Iron Man is that it is the junction of man and machine. And, yeah. uh, I, I really appreciate knowing where the frailty lies yes. in that combination. Um, and, and that makes the character more interesting to me, not less. And I, I recognize that's a philosophical like distinction. And they, you know, Favreau made a, made a choice uh, that this was going to be when he's in the suit, the rules change. And uh, I, I think I would have been, um, I would have been keen to hear otherwise. Yeah, really ground it in the humanity and the uh, Tony Stark, even though he has not quite magical, but he's got this superhuman heart thing going on. Uh, he's still human. He wasn't hit by gamma rays. Yeah. He wasn't, you know, dropped in a pool of acid or anything like that. He is human. And and really cementing that, uh, I think, would have been 
a good thing to do, but that's fine. Well, it will definitely be something that's interesting for us to continue looking at as the film continues and then as the franchise continues, just to see how how that shifts over time. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Well, Kathy, thanks again for joining us here today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's always a delight to talk to you, gentlemen. Likewise, likewise. Do you want to remind everybody where they can find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find me. My username most places is Mrs. Soup, and you can find links to everything that I do at kathycampbell.com. That's fantastic. Well, that is it for today's show, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe to the show for free at marvelmovieminute.com. Join us over in our Discord chat room and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Next Reel. And if you like what we do and you want to support us and get some cool stuff, become a patron over at thenextreel.com slash Patreon. Until next time, true believers. True believers.